was uh, the, the people have million dollar ideas every day. Um, mm. They just maybe don't necessarily have the um, experience or the networking or uh, the know-how to get it started or up off the ground or maybe even the motivation. But um, there's so many times that people have these million dollar ideas that um, I, I think it's, it's really valuable to write those down. And then, you know, maybe later, nine months later, when your friend texts you and says, hey, there's desks for sale or whatever it might be, uh, you, you can get those off the ground and get running. But um, I think there's a lot of value in not forgetting uh, what some of your ideas are when you're motivated and inspired. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always happy to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, uh, Jesse Yeager. And uh, Jesse is a, a brief introduction, planned on being an English teacher, took a psychology class, loved it, switched in that direction, and then went to, or after doing her, her studies, um, went to work with kids and autism after graduating um, and did that, you know, started a couple clinics for kids with autism and was working with a one, uh, one time with a client and uh, had an idea and I won't or take still too much of a thunder, but had an idea joking around said, oh, that makes it's not really a joke. It's not a bad idea. Thought about it for a while and decided to circle back to it and actually uh, build a business around it and get it going. So um, you'll, he'll, you'll get a bit more details from Jesse, but it's a, a fun uh, journey to tell. And with that much as introduction, welcome on the podcast, Jesse. Hey, thanks for having me. So I gave kind of the real brief run through kind of a bit of your journey, but uh, maybe take us back a bit in time to originally envisioning yourself as an English teacher, how your journey and then how your journey went from there. Yeah, so uh, I wasn't always the smartest kid in school, and uh, I, I usually got pretty good grades on uh, reading and writing assignments, and that was, that was pretty much it. So I kind of pigeonholed myself into uh, into that kind of field and, and profession, and um, and I, I really grew to love it. Uh, right before I graduated high school, though, I, I took a psychology course, uh, and it, it kind of changed everything for me. And I decided to kind of um, pursue something in the, the human services field um, rather than, you know, my, my plan to, to be an educator. So, so you take the psychology course and kind of directs you to an, in a new direction, which I think it sounds like it makes sense, you know, follow, you know, find the thing that you love and then find who will pay for it. And I think that's the, the best mixture of it. So you went into psychology. Now, how did you, so, you, and then you got the degree, you graduated. Now, how did you kind of get into um, working with kids with autism after you graduated? Yeah. So I, uh, I moved out to California for a year um, and just kind of did some stuff out there. I got away from uh, where I went to high school and um, needed a job, went to a job fair. And uh, the, the first place that called me back was a, an organization that provided in-home services for kids with autism. Um, fast forward a little bit, I, I moved back to Utah, um, got some more experience and really kind of fell in love with, um, with that work and that population uh, and decided to continue my education and get my master's degree in um, behavior analysis and um, really set myself up to be able to work with um, a diverse group of, of people, but primarily um, kids who who have autism and related disorders. So now you get into that, and you know, did the job search, find, hey, this is one that's an opening. I think it sounds interesting. You did that, and then it sounds like you know, you, 
again, found a bit of passion because you stayed with it. Um, you opened up a couple, you know, clinics or whatever you'd want to call them um, to help kids with autism. And so it sounds like that was uh, the, and it still is a bit the direction where your, uh, your path or your journey has continued to head. Yeah, I love it. Um, I think I'm kind of at the, the point in my career where I really enjoy mentoring people who want to do what I've done in the past and, and hopefully do it better uh, and learn from some of the mistakes that I've made. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm kind of at the, the point where I want to um, expand on that. And, uh, and I think that's kind of where uh, the idea for some of these, these desks um, came in uh, as well. So uh, we can kind of provide other supports or, or additional supports to uh, to the population that I've grown to enjoy working with so much. So now, so now you just touched on it, and you know that kind of dovetails into what you're doing with business today. But tell us kind of how that idea came about, what you know, and, and what or what you're doing at the time that um, arose or kind of spurred that idea that now is uh, evolved into an actual business. Yeah, so um, my business partner, I, I will say, her name is Rebecca, and she is uh, she's completely Type A. Um, so we uh, we we're, we're work together um, with with a couple kids actually, and we're working with one, and uh, the mom just happened to be really uh, nervous about sending him to school for the first time. He was about uh, you know to come up on his his kindergarten year, and um, you know he had this toy that he really uh, really enjoyed working with and playing with, and um, we used it as a motivator for him and a lot of different things. And, and, you know, we kind of joked around like, oh, if we could just take this toy to school with him, uh, everything would be fine. And he would be, you know, really successful and, and all that. And uh, so that kind of got the wheels turning a little bit. And Rebecca and I, uh, you know, joked around, thought a little bit about, um, you know, creating this desk uh, that just had sensory stimuli on it. So things that are, you know, visually appealing uh, while still being minimal, minimally distracting uh, mm -hmm. and also... Uh, things that are, you know, tactilely pleasing, especially for kids with those sensory needs, like so many kids with autism have. So now you, you have that idea and you do, you know, you kind of, you know, and I always love it because I, I've been the same way you have an idea. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a stupid idea. That's never going to work. Then you start thinking, such a bad idea. And, you know, you kind of go through that. And so you guys, you know, had the idea said, okay, you know, there's that, maybe there's something to it. But then I think you mentioned that you kind of either got busy or shelved it for a period of time and let it sit there and, you know, linger for a bit before circling back. Is that right? We did. Yeah. So it's, man, it was probably nine months later, uh, pretty much all of quarantine had, had come up and, and there are so many kids who weren't even in school anymore and they're doing online school. Uh, <clears throat> and then just randomly one day, uh, Rebecca texted me and she said, you know, she saw some, some really inexpensive desks online, uh, that one, a, a local university was getting rid of. And she's like, Hey, remember that time we had that idea? And, uh, and I was Which like, idea? Yeah. I've had so many. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's uh, one of the, one of the consequences of being all over the place sometimes, but, um, but she, she, uh, you know, sent me a picture and I was like, Oh yeah, that we should, we should still do that. That sounds like a good idea. Let's just buy some. Uh, and see what happens. They're very inexpensive, and I've got a basement that's not even close to being done. So I just threw them all down there, and uh, you know, let it sit for a little bit. And uh, we we completely destroyed one of them, um, trying to figure out how to um, most effectively create this um, this desk. And uh, after that, we were able to kind of figure out what the best way to kind of put it together was, and. Um, how we could use it um, not only as a as a tool to get kids to sit down and, and be motivated to learn, but also um, to 
uh, not be distracted because we knew immediately that would be one of the, the biggest barriers that we ran into. So he did that because, you know, and I think that that makes sense in the sense that you want to, you want them to have something to fidget with, but it can't be that the whole class is now hearing them fidget with it or, you know, playing with it and it distracts the whole class. And so I think that makes sense to kind of find that balance. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, I, I like the idea of, you know, oh, you remember this idea we had several months ago that we didn't, didn't do anything with? I found some deaths that are really inexpensive that we can try this out. Let's do it. And it kind of uh, reinvigorates the idea that you've had that you kind of sit there and linger, but it also kind of points to, you know, the timing has to be right, the opportunity has to be right, and you kind of had to go through that exercise. So now you guys get the desk, you kind of play with them, you kind of get a prototype, you kind of see what works, what doesn't work, and you start to build that into a business. So help us, you know, give us uh, the audience an idea. Is that business launch? Can they go buy it? Is it still in the prototype stage? Have you had sales or kind of where is it at now? Yeah, so uh, so we have a website that's launched, um, and we are an official, you know, uh, started business. Uh, we, um, we, you know, it was interesting. Uh, one of the things I think is so important is, is just knowing people, and um, through my experiences with the autism community, which is a very uh, very tight knit community and a very supportive community, um, I was able to, um, you know, remember some of the contacts that I've made five six, seven, eight, nine years ago and reached out to them uh, and they actually have a, a grant system. So we applied for a grant and we we actually, you know, won that, that award and uh, were able to be approved essentially to provide 20 desks to schools throughout Utah and support our, our special education classrooms. So we, we completed that grant uh, and now we are um, really just in the business of uh, figuring out how to work with schools, um, work with uh, parents and you know other caregivers, and really make sure that we're um, providing these these supports, uh, these customized, uh, unique looking desks to, um, to to motivate kids to to learn and, and sit down instead of spending so much time and energy and resources trying to get um, like redirected back to a seat. So you know these these kids who are oftentimes very energetic, uh, a little hyperactive can. Um, can then, you know, be motivated to sit down and get some of those needs met while they're um, learning and, and going through instruction. So teachers can uh, can spend more of their time and energy educating rather than redirecting. Oh, cool. So no, and I think that uh, definitely, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's fun to see how an, an, an idea starts to take shape from, hey, we had a crazy idea. We didn't do anything with that. Okay, we found some desks. Now we're going to start to build it. We build a website and it's kind of fun to see that iteration and that growth and uh, hope that it continues to grow and, and build or build uh, further out. So, so that kind of takes us a bit to where you're at today. Now, looking a bit into the future, you know, the next six to 12 months, where do you see things headed? Where do you, you know, how do you see things working out and kind of what's the direction you guys are going? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, we have really ambitious goals um, to, to get, you know, at least 50 desks out by the end of this year. You know, we're at that 20 mark right now. Um, the other thing that I, that's really important to me is figuring out and, and ensuring that these work. Um, we want to make sure that they're, they're effective and we have some data. We want to get some more data, some more people who are willing to, um, you know, track how, how often kids attend or um, how much they're on task during uh, instruction time. Um, the data that we have are, are really positive. Uh, 
for, for example, the first kid that we use this with, uh, he went from 24% attending to like 98% attending um, and, and staying in his seat and just learning that way. So um, we want to make sure that that's not just a one-off. We want to make sure that, you know, these uh, we're, we're getting good, reliable data um, to show that these actually can be effective teaching tools or um, uh, assistance to uh, to our to our educators as well. So I'd say those those are really our our, our big goals. Get more just evidence that these are effective, and uh, get more of them out there. Well, cool. That sounds like it, you know it, it is fun. I think that the best thing is hey, proof is in the pudding. Let's get them out there. Let's show that they're effective, that they work, that people are going to want them, and that it is beneficial to the kids. You know, with autism that gives or gives them that to something to to play you know to play with or to do with as they're as they're learning to aid, to aid them so excited to see how things continue to go for you guys well as we kind of wrap up or wrap up your journey we hear a little bit about kind of how you got to where you're at today and where you guys are headed you know um always have two questions at the end of each podcast so we'll go ahead and jump to those now so the first question i always ask is along your journey what was your worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it yeah, so I think the worst business decision uh, that I made uh, was just poor time management in, in general. Uh, so um, it's really difficult to to start a business while you're doing another business or while you're you know have your full time job. And I think it was it was really hard to just uh, stick to a schedule of spending one, two, maybe three hours a day um, developing these desks, whether it was our like intellectual development or the actual manufacturing development for these desks. So the worst business decision uh, I think that that I made was just um, delaying uh, or, or not prioritizing spending the time on these desks because uh, it, it sounds so easy on paper uh, and, and very, very fast, uh, very, very quick. And uh, that's, that's not the case at all. So um, it is now, it wasn't then. So um, I, I think that was definitely the, the worst business decision uh, that I made. And as far as what I learned from it, um, scheduling, I think organization has always been a pretty strong suit for me, but I think that was, um, that, that became even more needed uh, as I, as I learned to uh, really like allocate time towards, towards these projects. Mm, no, it definitely makes sense. So cool. Well then uh, now let's jump right to the second question, which is if you're now talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Yeah, this is, this is tough. I, uh, I talked about networking. I can't stress the importance of that. There are, um, I, I really feel like if you, um, if you don't learn something from everybody you've, you've talked to, then, then you've almost done yourself a disservice. Uh, so that's kind of like my, like one, one a, um, my, my main, um, I think point is going to be, uh, to compartmentalize. Um, it can, it can sound so stressful to just be like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be a business owner now. I'm, I'm just going to start a business and it, it, uh, can be really overwhelming. Um, but really, uh, when you when you break it down and when you say like I'm just gonna start my business like I'm literally gonna go to a website I've done this a million times before uh, I've gone to some some sort of website it takes like 30 minutes depending on what you're offering and what state you're in uh, it might even cost less than 100 bucks and and let's let's be honest you're gonna spend 30 minutes scrolling through Instagram before you go to bed anyway or you're gonna spend you know 100 bucks on something stupid on Amazon so um, so just being able to 
break it down and just say like, all right, I'm just going to do this today. I'm just going to get this out of the way. And then um, I'll at least set myself up for success or for opportunities to um, further develop uh, businesses um, or, or whatever the business idea might be um, in the future. And I also, uh, I, I know I'm going long on this. I have so many, uh, so many ideas, but uh, <laughs> I think the, the other thing that um, is really valuable that I heard on a podcast once, so uh, was uh, that the people have million dollar ideas every day. Um, mm. They just maybe don't necessarily have the um, experience or the networking or uh, the know-how to get it started or up off the ground or maybe even the motivation. But um, there's so many times that people have these million dollar ideas that um, I, I think it's, it's really valuable to write those down. And then, you know, maybe later, nine months later, when your friend texts you and says, hey, there's desks for sale or whatever it might be, uh, you, you can get those off the ground and get running. But um, I think there's a lot of value in not forgetting uh, what some of your ideas are when you're motivated and inspired. Yeah, I, and I, I love that. And I think that makes sense. I mean, the thing I would probably add to that is there's a lot of people that have million dollar ideas. The difference between it being a million dollar business versus a million dollar idea is the execution. In other words, you can, you can have a lot of ideas, but if you never actually execute, never build on it, never do anything with it, it will stay in idea stage and it'll never go anywhere. So I think that, you know, the thing I'd add to it is now once you have the idea, execute on it try it out figure it out and make sure that it works and you know if it doesn't work then you learn a lot of lessons and you are able to you know take or get takeaways and take that to the next business and if you do make it work then it is certainly worthwhile so i would say you know not just have the idea and get out and execute on it so well as as we wrap up if people want to reach out to you they want to be a customer or client they want to buy a desk they want to be an investor in your business they want to be an employee and help out they want to volunteer they want to be your next best friend any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out and find out more? Yeah, I, uh, so there's two ways. Um, first of all, I'm into all of those. I love volunteers. I love best friends. Uh, the, uh, the first uh, way is our website. It's www.sensoryintegrationdesks.com. Uh, the second way is just through our email. It's just sensoryintegration.outlook.com. Uh, and um, the, the other thing, we, we have you know, some products on our website uh, that families can buy or that individuals can buy. Um, but we also really stress the importance of um, you know, if, if schools want to reach out and they say, well, we want 20 desks, but you know, we don't want to buy 20 desks, we can go in and repurpose existing desks as well. And we'll, we'll work with them on a, a reasonable quote as well. So we can go in and get those done over a weekend or something like that. Um, but ultimately, we just want to get these out there and we just want to help kids. And so anything we can do um, to, uh, you know, customize or make it work or fit for a specific school or a district or a family, um, we want to hear from you. So we're, uh, we're always willing to, to work with people and just make sure that it's the, the best fit and um, uh, increases educational opportunities for, um, for students all across the, um, the educational platform. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, connect up, find out more and support uh, and user product if you um, have a, a kid in need that uh, it would be beneficial to. Well, as we wrap up, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Now, for all of you that are listeners, love to. if you have a journey to tell, we'd love to share it. Uh, just to apply to be on as a guest on the podcast, just go to inventiveguest.com. A couple more things as listeners or two more things. One, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so other people can find out about all of our awesome episodes. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. 
Now we do have, um, just as a reminder, as before we wrap up, we also have the um, or bonus question. We'll talk a little bit about intellectual property. So stay tuned for that. Otherwise, as we wrap up, if any, or, uh, if you're not going to listen to the bonus question, don't have any, or want, don't want to listen or learn about IP. Thanks for listening and uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Okay, so with that, now we get to go right, I dive right into the bonus question because it's one of my favorite things because it's kind of fun. Uh, we get, a, I always get a chance to, uh, you know, I'm always the one in the driver's seat, get asked the questions, don't have to answer anything. But now I get a, we get to flip gears, flip the table, and I get a, a chance to talk a little about the thing that I love and passionate about, which is intellectual property. So with that, I'll turn it over to you to ask, what is your uh, number one intellectual property question? Yeah. So, um, man, number one question, I think, uh, I think the biggest question that, uh, that both Rebecca and I have is, um, how do we, um, prevent this or how do we make this really ours? So right now there's not a patent, there's not anything like that. So what's the best way to take the, the thing that we've built and make sure that, you know, uh, like a major company with a lot of resources that we don't have just, you know, doesn't buy one for cheap and then, you know, replicate it over and over and then send us, uh, back, back to our other jobs. No. And I think, and that is always a hard, cause I mean, it's a fair answer you know, startups and small businesses are always, I would say, at a bit of a disadvantage as opposed to a big business when it comes to intellectual property because, and I think that's generally life in general, the people that have more uh, time, money, and effort, especially money, are able to, you know, take advantage of that and utilize that and leverage it to their advantage. And so if you're a startup or a small business, a lot of times with, uh, with you know, having a great idea, a great product, you know, you always worry, you know, what is somebody else's, hey, this is a great idea. And now they come along and replicate it. So, you know, part of that is intellectual property, part of it's not. We'll touch on, I'll or touch on those just a bit. You know, on the intellectual property side, you, what you need to do is figure out what's core to your business. What is the thing that makes you unique and, and differentiating, gives you that competitive advantage, and then see if it's protectable. And, you know, and that can be, hey, if it's an invention, you know, you guys, this is a physical desk, you know, that can be anything from it. See how you make the desk. What do you integrate in? Are those different, unique? Are they going to be something that is going to be patentable or protectable? And sometimes it is, and that's great. And sometimes it's not. The other thing you can think about is on the, on the patent side is you can also go buy what's a design patent. So now you're looking at, are you making a unique looking desk? And it has something that's kind of design-wise, maybe not in utility and functionality unique or different, but it has a unique look and feel such that, hey, if it looks like this, we want to protect this. You know, we put in a ton of time and thought and effort as to where should this be placed? What should it be? How should it look? What's, you know, what is that aesthetic nature to it? And all those. And so those are always a couple things to protect. And also sometimes you, you get to the end of it and you say, you know what, we don't really have anything that's patentable, but what we're going to do is build a really good reputation and brand. We're going to give a really good story. And, you know, this is how we came. We work with kids with autism all the time. And, you know, this is why we came up with this product. And this is why it resonates with us. And here's our mission and that. And you build that kind of that story and that following and that brand. And that can also be very valuable and you can protect that with a trademark. So those are always, you know, and so that's what you kind of the process you go through is what is essential or core to our business? What really makes makes us different and then how do we protect it now on the other kind of or side of your question which is okay so let's say we figure all that out we still have the question or you know what ends if a big business comes along and says yeah that's a great idea let's copy it all or let's just make our own how do you protect that and you know a couple things if you don't have any protection if you're not able to say hey we don't have a brand or we haven't built it yet don't have anything patentable 
it's going to be, you need to be, you know, first to market, you build it, and then you continue to innovate, you know, keep ahead of the competition. Sometimes, you know, bigger businesses, they have a lot of benefit, time, money, and resources, but they're also a lot more slow moving. It takes longer to make decisions, to iterate through products, to listen to customer feedback, to roll out new programs. And that can be a benefit to a small startup or small business is to say, hey, we can't, we don't have the time, money, and resources, but we can pivot, we can adjust, we can listen, we can or we can continue to innovate and keep ahead of them. The other thing is, is if you do have it, and let's say you had, let's say you went and got a patent or a trademark and you, you know, you were to secure it. It doesn't mean that the big business may not just say, Hey, we're going to spend them under the table. Even if we do infringe, we're just going to simply rip them off. Then, you know, there's a few options. One of which I think is always a good one is every business has a competitor. It doesn't, you know, Samsung has Apple or Apple has Samsung, Pepsi has Coke, Ford has Chevy, you know, any business you go through, they always have a competitor and there's very seldom any business that doesn't have somebody that's a competitor. So a lot of times what you're saying is, okay, maybe this competitor comes, knocks us off, but we have this, or, you know, valuable intellectual property. We're going to go to this other business, their direct competitor say, Hey, we've got a good following. We've got a good brand. We've got a good, you know, patents and that to cover this. Now, would you guys like to acquire us to license from us or otherwise do it? And it gives that competitor that advantage where they can go and enforce it. They can utilize and leverage what you've done. And there are a few other ways you can go about it as well. So I think that you got to kind of start to look at the landscape. What do we want to protect? How do we want to protect it? What's the business overlay? Can we protect it? And then how, what are our options if somebody is, uh, if we need to enforce it or otherwise do that? So that's a much longer or a much more summarized discussion to something that I could talk about for hours, but it's a great question. Definitely one that's interesting. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Now, if you or anybody in any of the listeners that have any other questions about patents, trademarks, or anything else, and uh, we didn't answer it on this uh, number one question, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with me to chat and always happy to help. Um, otherwise, thanks again, Jesse, for coming on to the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Awesome. Thanks so much. I'm sure we'll be in touch. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thanks, you too.